Have you ever wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? You know, the thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world more like Jesus than we found it. I know, and that's why I'm here. My name is Rebecca Dotson-George. I'm a speaker, writer, career coach, and just all around excited to be in your earbuds for the next few minutes. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering you on as you make God known in and through your creative mission. Here's the thing though, I know sometimes you can get discouraged. I'm not good enough. I don't know where to start. I can't do as good of a job as she's doing. These are all lies that we sometimes believe and I'm here to help you debunk those lies that are ruling your mind about your mission and replace them with truth from God's word. So. Buckle up, because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. Welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Do you ever get to the end of a podcast and just think, man, I am not done with that conversation. Girl, me too. And I love hearing from you about how not only the show is encouraging you, but also what God is stirring up in you as a result. And I just really wanted the opportunity to connect one-on-one with more of you. And that's why I've created a Patreon community. Patreon is an online platform that hosts bonus content and provides creators a way to hang out with their audience in a more intimate way. So here's how I'm going to use it. There are three tiers. First is the bestie tier, which will include access to the platform and extra conversations with all our guests that only Patreon besties will get to hear. These questions will not be shared here on your podcast platform. Then there's the VIP party tier. This includes the bestie tier and you get invited to a VIP party once a month on Zoom where we get to hang out, get to know one another better and maybe do some coaching in a group session from time to time. And then finally, there is the calling coach tier. In this tier, you'll be able to access the previous tiers plus have a 30 minute coaching call per month with me to talk about anything podcast, ministry or career related. How fun does this sound? So come on over to Patreon by downloading the app or visiting patreon.com and search Do The Thing Movement. I can't wait to meet you inside the community. Hey friends, I'm so happy to be with you today for our conversation with Arden Bevere. Now, if you know me, then you know that I am a longtime fan of Lisa Bevere and John and have read so many of their books when I was younger and they have just been such an encouragement to me. And I was so beyond excited to be able to talk with Arden about his first book called Redefined. And it's all about his hope and his prayer for millennials in the church. And it was just such an encouraging conversation for me and we'll talk about why, Um, but just he, he debunks and talks about a lot of labels that we put on millennials and kind of his hope for overcoming that and how we can do that. And we talk about social media, just so many fun things. I'm so thrilled for you to listen to this conversation. We also get to talk over on Patreon about his relationship with his parents, John and Lisa. And it was just such a special conversation over on our bonus episode that our patrons get to listen to over on Patreon. So go subscribe. Subscribe to Patreon if you have not already so that you can listen to that bonus episode with Arden and let me welcome him to the show. Arden Bevere, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thanks for being with me. Oh, Rebecca, it is an absolute honor. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, this is going to be so much fun. I 
was telling a friend the other day, you probably hear this all the time. You're probably really sick of hearing this. So I'm just going to go ahead and apologize in advance. (laughs) But (laughs) your mama has mentored me since like my teen years. And I mean, Girls with Swords. I mean, there's so many of her books. I'm staring at my bookshelf right now that have walked with me and been really instrumental in my walk with Christ. And I told one of my old mentors the other day, I said, you're not going to believe this. I get to interview a Bavir next week. And I, <laughs> she was so excited because she knows how much I love your family. So this yeah. is so fun. I love seeing the topic of your book, just knowing who your parents are and how they've walked with you. And I feel like I know the Bavirs because <laughs> I've read so much Lisa and John. And so I'm so pumped to have you. Yeah. Oh, well, the same thing for me with my mom. She raised me. She did all those yeah. things. She's absolutely incredible. It was always, I always tell people it was such a, such a crazy experience being raised by those two because they're so like type A dominant personalities and they're yeah. very driven and get it done. And then they're both hilarious. Like my dad is goofy, hilarious. And then my mom's just naturally so funny. So I I loved being raised in, in this family. It was such a blessing and such a honestly honor. I know that sounds yeah. weird, but it was just, it, you know, there was so much fun things. And, and that's the incredible thing about my parents is that they were always the same exact people that you read in the books or mm-hmm. see up on the platform that they were at home. They were no different. So they really painted this beautiful picture of what it means to be a, a Christian, a son and daughter of God. Yeah. And that's so powerful, especially right now. And I won't, I mean, I won't like go into like what's going on in the world right now, but I think it's so powerful to see that example. Um, and I, I treasure that and I honor that because it is, it is, um, just a really special thing to see. So I love that. Um, well, we are here because you've written your first book and I'm pumped about it. It's called redefined confronting the labels that limit us. And, Man, I just I'm going to just jump in and let you share a little bit about um, just your heart behind wanting to have what I feel is a really important conversation about generational labels and how we often kind of let them define us. And so I want to hear what did God do in you? How did he lead you to this message? Yeah, well, that was kind of an interesting thing, because as we were talking about even before this, um, I never thought I would write a book. And so what this came from was actually one day we were at the office and my oldest brother, who's my boss, which that's a fun, fun dynamic always. He told me, he said, hey, I need you to kind of think of some ideas that we can better reach the young adult generation. So I went into the conference room and I started writing out. I said, well, what are we? And I said, we're innovative, we're creative, we're all these things. And I was like, you know, I need some help. And I was like, you know, I'll go to, you know, the best source of information, Facebook kind of thing. Just, just, I was like, I'll just throw it out there and see, I don't think I ever post on Facebook. And so this was one of the few posts I did. And I asked everyone, I said, Hey, if you could describe the young adult generation in one word, what would it be? And I remember it started a spark. I got all Mm. of these responses, but they were all so negative. They were things like broken, entitled, lacking, uh, offended, fearful, all this stuff that people in my generation were saying and believing to be true about them. And and I remember one time, even recently, I I was in a church and the pastor was just doing his message. And then he was sharing the story about a guy and he was like, well, he's a millennial. And the whole church just erupted in laughter. Mm. And I was like, 
dang it, that is the narrative that is believed to be true. And so I remember in that moment in the conference room, I was I was just kind of sinking in despair, watching all of these negative things coming in when I thought they were all going to be, you know, creative and, and uplifting things. And I remember God spoke to me in that moment and God gave me a scripture. And I remember the first scripture he gave me to combat that was second Peter uh, chapter, or sorry, first Peter chapter, uh, chapter two, verse nine. And it talks about the translation I looked up was actually, it said, but you are not those people. And it says, Mm. but you are a chosen priesthood, a holy nation. And so I remember God began to give me scriptures that were combating all of those negative labels that were being placed on it. And so what I actually started, how this book started is I started taking all of those words and I started to journal about them. And I would write down the word and I would go and research and discover what God was saying about our generation. And that would be my prayer for my generation. It would never be a book. It was never supposed to be a blog post or anything like that. It was supposed to just be the the heart cry of of my heart for our generation. And so I remember my mom uh, being the mother that she is, she kind of kept seeing me journal all this stuff. She said, what are you writing? And I was like, I'm not writing anything. I was like, I'm just journaling. And so she, she called me into the conference room one day and just was like, you need to pitch this idea. Of your book, and so that's kind of how it come came about. And you know, there's this this dynamic that our generation has to grab hold of. It's is God does not label us. Um, mm-hmm. A label speaks to who we have been in the past or who we are right now. And the problem is, if we start beginning to believe labels that have been spoken over us, we will live confined to the then and now, where God does not label us; He calls us. Yeah. A calling speaks to the potential that He has placed upon our life, what he wants for us, what he's designed for us. It goes past, you know, your past traumas, your pains, experience, whatever things your parents, your teachers, you know, friends have spoken over you. And it speaks to the eternity that he's placed on his heart. And so I want to see our generation awaken to that, to see like, you know, you looking back in 2020, there was a lot of uh, labels and things that were said over our generation. And I think we've started believing them. And and we started acting from this place of, hey, because I'm this, I need to completely course correct. And rather than coming from this place of, well, what does the word of God say about me? Mm, Yeah, that's so good. And I, I feel like probably when I was in college, which was seven, eight years ago, um, I feel like these labels that people began to put on millennials. Like we were starting to become adults, right? Like we were in college, we were starting our careers. So people in like professional circles started to see patterns of how people were acting. Right. And I think that was when I started to see in my own life, people label our generation a certain way. And I can remember having conversations with my mom and I will say I've always been called or, um, been kind of seen as an old soul. So like, let's go into that conversation I'm knowing, right there with you. <laughs> knowing that. And I just remember yeah. telling my mom, like, I don't identify with anything about this, but it, yeah. it frustrates me. It frustrates me when I hear, you know, comments from a pulpit, like you were saying, you heard it in the church, you hear it in, you know, in the office at that time I was working in corporate America. And I just remember coming to her so frustrated. And I remember her saying, Rebecca, that's not, that's not who you are. And that is why you're frustrated. And you, all you can do is be obedient to God and, and live above that. Right. And so 
for people I, who no, go ahead. I don't want to no, no, you. after you, no, no, fi- no, you finish your story. No, okay, that I'm, was it. And I, I didn't, I'll go, I'll go yeah, really quick. Go. <laughs> well, I was going to say same thing with my parents it, is when we were kids, they would do something I hated and I did not understand. And they would always call us princes and they would be like, you're a prince of the most high God. And we'd be like, what does that mean? Like, we're like that we would be doing something wrong, acting out, we'd talk back and they would call us a prince in those moments of, uh, of you know, you know, rebellion. And they'd be like, you're a prince. And I'm like, mom, do you have some like royal deity, like royal lineage that I need to know about? Like, why are you calling us princes? And the interesting thing, what my parents were doing is when we were kids, even though we didn't understand it, they were speaking to the identity and the inheritance that we had as children of God. And so when we were kids, we didn't fully understood it because we didn't fully maybe understood what all the Bible said about being a son or daughter of God. But as we grew up and grew in the word, we walked and identified as that, not because we were better, not because, you know, we had some special privilege, not because we were a Bavir, but because we were a child of God. And I think that's what I want to see so bad for our generation is we've accepted all these things, just like what you said, you're like your mom saying, well, that's not, that's not you is you realize like, yeah, that's not me, but our generation, we we don't know what the word of God says about us. We know what the latest podcast says. We know what the you know most recent famous uh, you know speaker saying about us, or the most recent blog post that we read. We don't know what the word of God says about us, and that's where the importance comes from. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I wanted you to kind of unpack a little bit is this term that you use a lot in the book, and we've we've mentioned it several times: being a son or a daughter of God. For a listener who maybe is newer in the faith, how would you encourage them to really understand, like, what's important for us to understand theologically? Like, why does that matter in this conversation? And how does it change really everything about the way we see our generation? Yeah, well, I kind of look at it as this, is if you have a prince in a kingdom, and, you know, he's there helping his father rule or princess in a kingdom, helping their father rule. If they think, you know, hey, I am just a figurehead and I don't really have any power, then they're, that's all they're going to be. They're just going to be a figurehead. They're not going to be making any kind of change, uh, changes to the, the kingdom. They're not going to help it strive forward. But if a prince or a princess knows the power that's been given to them because of the position that they're in, and I think that's the important part, is when we step in as being sons and daughters of God, we step into a position in the kingdom of God that gives us Uh, that his power, the Holy Spirit is working in us and gives us the authority because the authority has been given to man here on earth. It gives us the authority to interact change in this world. And, And so I think for people that are like, well, how do I know what that looks like? I think it's actually really simple. I think it's actually just getting into the word of God. You know, I think right now what I'm seeing a ton from our generation is we are so caught up in, hey, I become a Christian. And then what's next? And we're mm-hmm. like, well, I need to, I, I need to get my purpose down, and my purpose wraps up all around my occupation. Mm-hmm. And, and we try to be like, well, what occupation do I go to? What am I called to? And I think we get so caught up on that question that we actually miss out on our very first calling, which is to be a son or a daughter of God, because sons and daughters of God see the value, the purpose in every single day. And God's going to order your step in the occupation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I remember when I I kind of, God told me, hey, I want you to do ministry. 
he never told me like, hey, I want you to write books or go and speak or go, you know, help out in orphanages. He never said that. He just told me just to do ministry. And I remember I, I went to Bible college and I was asking people like, what, what do you feel like you're supposed to do? And they were like, well, I'm supposed to be this next big name pastor, I'm supposed to be this next youth pastor here. And I was like, that's awesome that God told you that. I was like, he just told me to do ministry. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm like, I just know it's every single day. It's it's walking this earth with the purpose and, and the things that he has written about me in his word. I love um, what Romans talks about. I think it's Romans 8. Sorry if I, that's wrong. It's either Romans 8 or 9. And, and it talks about the unveilings of God's glory, sons and daughters. And it says, one translation says the entire cosmos, the entire universe is waiting and standing on tiptoe, waiting for the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. And so for people less listening and people that are new to faith, understanding that the world is waiting for you to grab hold of this idea, waiting for you to grab hold of this inheritance that you have now in Christ. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, we have a lot of conversations here about calling and about purpose and about doing the things that God has called us to do. And I think, I don't think I know, we overcomplicate this so much, which I think is like the heart of what you're saying. We think about words like purpose and calling, and we already feel like we've missed it. We already feel like we've messed up. And so often, you know, most moments of our lives, I say this so much on the show. It's something my husband says a lot is most days of our lives are not burning bush days. Yeah. And so we live our lives as if we're looking for these, these, dramatic moments of purpose and calling when the reality is most of our days are spent just being obedient, taking the next step of obedience towards whatever God's calling us to do, loving the people around us. I mean, good grief. This last year, there were weeks of my life where the only person outside of my husband that I had the opportunity to show the love of Christ to was the girl checking me out at the grocery store. And she had a really hard day and I don't know if she knows the Lord, you know, but I just started praying like, Lord, help me not miss opportunities and that are just right in front of me because those matter. There's no continuum of our calling of like this moment at the grocery store matters more or less than a moment on stage where I'm, where I'm teaching the word of God. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so this last year has made me even more aware of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I remember God, God showed me that too. I live out here in Colorado and I was so much about, you know, Hey, jumping from one big experience to the next big experience. And that's when I knew God was using me. If I, you know, if we went to the, did this big meeting or if we yeah. went to this country and did this. And I remember God told me to look up at the mountains and here in Colorado, we have big mountains, 14,000 uh, feet mountains. And there is a point where the tree line just completely stops and it's just rocks from there. And he showed me, he said, hey, growth and life does not happen up on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. It happens in the valley. And we have to understand that there you can't jump from mountaintop to mountaintop experience because there is no growth that will happen. You have to go down into the valleys and you have to see the purpose, the teachings, everything that happens in the valleys of life because that's where all the growth, all the life, everything happens. And I think that, you know, the tendency is with social media, you know, with social media, it's so much of the highlight. You're like, 
you know, hey, I need to, I need to get that next highlight so I can, I can post about it, I can share about it, and I can show that, hey, I'm doing these great things. And it's like, no, they're, that lean into that process of the, the experience. And we don't, as a generation, I'll say, we don't love process. We, you know, we are so used to everything instantaneous. Um, you know, if we want to eat something, we just pick up our phone and Uber Eats brings it right mm-hmm. to us. We want to connect with someone. Um, we don't love the process, but there's so much power in the process um, that I'm hoping our generation grabs hold of. Yeah, me too. Me too. So one of the things that you talk about some in the book, which you just mentioned is social. And I think this is a huge piece of this conversation, whether we like it or not. Right. And so especially right now, how have you helped? How have you kept a healthy perspective and all of this? What's that look like for you? And how are you speaking into the lives of your readers in that, especially during a time as crazy as it is? Yeah, I so I always grew up and when social media became a thing, I was one of like the last people to jump on board. Me too. Uh, they, all my friends, <laughs> yeah, they were they were all like, "You need to get an Instagram." I'm like, I don't, I don't even take pictures. I don't want to post about it. So I have a hard time with social media um, because I think you know I just always forget. I'm like, I don't. I, I enjoy moments to be my moments. I don't normally yeah. share them and, and kind of broadcast them. And so I think social media is one of the most amazing tools that has been given to this generation, but also one of the most damaging tools. Um, Because I think we look at our generation and never before have we seen a generation be able to reach all the way across the world and be able to impact someone, someone's life that they may never talk to, may never see, may never, uh, you know, meet nothing um, through one social media post. But at the same time, we see it's a breeding ground for comparison and, and, and just honestly attacking one another. And and that's the thing I think, you know, on the comparison side, we have to understand um, we have been so uniquely created by God and the unique expression of God that is upon our life that the world needs to see. Um, I remember I was was kind of thinking about it last year and God, God was showing, he said, you know, hey, I am an infinite God. And because I'm an infinite God, that means there is infinite expressions of me, which means that every single son and daughter of God that has been from the foundation of the earth to now has a unique expression of me that I have placed inside of them that the world is waiting to see. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what does such a disservice is that when we compare ourselves to other people on social media, we are no longer looking at what God creatively implanted into us as sons and daughters of God. And we're looking at something else and wanting to be like that. So that's kind of the comparison side. Um, the other side, and I'm trying to remember what I said, the other side is, um, attacking people. Um, I have never seen, so especially in the year 2020, yeah, I've never seen so many people just without knowing people just attacking, 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 and not having conversations. And I have found without fail, I have never been able to change someone's mind (laughs) over social media. And, And so I think we have to be um, agents of change in that area to show that we're not going to just attack people. Because I think when we disagree with people, um, it can be really easy just to jump onto that social media and just attack them where God's called his body of believers to be unified. And, and I love it. There's such a blessing that comes with unification. Um, you see it with the upper room. You know, Paul makes the, or Peter makes the decision of who's the next disciple going to be by drawing lots. Like he's like, yeah, we're going to draw lots. And that's not how God wants to pick the next apostle. That's the next apostle was supposed to be actually Paul. And that's why Paul said, you know, I am born out of due time. But yet they go through this process. And there, I think, you know, if we would have seen that today, there would have been a massive church split. There would have been the people that have been like, no, you don't pick 
uh, the next apostle based off of a lottery system. There's the people that would go with Peter. There's people that be like, I just think this is all wrong. This is crazy and just leave. And yet the Bible says, it says they were all one and then the spirit of God fell upon them. Mm -hmm. And I think when we see discourse and disunity and and we don't take, uh, honestly, ownership for idle words that we just throw out there on social media, we are hindering the move of God for this generation and for the church. Yeah, I agree. And this whole conversation reminds me of a book that I always recommend when it comes to just toxic situations. And I think this can be grouped into that at times. And it's a book called When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. And it came out last year. And we have a whole episode with him on the podcast early on in the show. It was awesome. But one of the things that he unpacks is how Jesus himself handled toxic people in his ministry and how he did not... um, he did not give time and attention to those people and how at the root it completely takes us away from what God has called us to do. And so that comes to mind to me as I'm just discerning like where I'm spending my time scrolling and what comment threads I'm reading and what I'm allowing to take root in my heart, because that we, we, we think of toxic relationships and we think of like one-on-one you know, relationships in our lives, which it is that, and it can be that, and we do need to guard against that. But I think we're in a time now where that happens online and, you know, those things can take root and we're up at night, you know, thinking about something that we read and, and that's just such a distraction to us. And we do not need that, um, especially right now. And so I love that you kind of unpack that for us. Well, I, I'm so excited about this book. I'm so excited about what God's going to do and that you've tackled a really hard conversation for the church. And I'd love before we hop on over to Patreon, I'd love for you to tell listeners a little bit more about the work that you do and how they can get in touch with you, find the book, all of those things. Yeah. So I oversee a ministry called Sons and Daughters. I work with my parents um, and all of my brothers. And so we uh, we do this ministry where we are all about um, empowering ambassadors all around the world to help use our resources to help impact change in their relationships that they have. And so we we here we kind of come to this mindset of honestly, we think that uh, a lot of people have put in a lot of focus on more converts of sons and daughters, making more sons and daughters. It's a lack of sons and daughters who have stepped into the fullness of what that means. Because I think a lot of people, and I was told this in Bible college, is, hey, your role as a Christian is you kind of come to church, bring a friend every now and then, hopefully your pastor preaches the perfect message and your friend gets saved. Like, And that that's awesome. But the Bible says in Ephesians 4.12, it's the complete opposite. It says the fivefold ministry, the apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, and prophet are all there for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry, the equipping of us. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that everyone feels equipped to be able to do the work of the ministry, that they're positioned well, because we know that if we do that, then we will see salvations in numbers that we've never seen before. Um, And so that's kind of what we do. We have about 400 ambassadors all around the world. Um, We love doing that so much. And then with Messenger, we we just give away our resources. We've given away, um, I think we're we're coming up on about 200, or I want to say about 100 million resources given away. And so um, in all different languages, we're in almost every single, we're believing we're going to be in every single language at the end of this year. Um, and so that's that's been such a cool experience. Um, I think 
you know, my dad always says one of the greatest things that we can do and one of the most fulfilling things that he's done in ministry is give to people that could never repay him. You mm-hmm. know, give to those pastors in Iran, Iraq or China that, um, you know, they can't get resources and for us to be able to do that. So we love that. So if you guys want to learn more about it, you can go to sonsanddaughters.tv. And then if you're interested in the book, you can actually just go to ardenbevere.com. Awesome. Good deal. Well, I cannot wait for people to get their hands on the book. When people listen to this, it's going to be out in the world, which probably feels crazy to you. So congratulations. I'm so excited for you. And it's been so much fun having you today. Thanks for being with me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Seriously, it's a huge honor. I appreciate you taking the time and talking with me. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I am so thrilled to have you be a part of this community. I wanted to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, did you know that when people rate and review podcasts on Apple Podcasts, it actually helps more people come across the show? And when that happens, the messages we're sharing get spread even further and we get to encourage more people. I can't think of anything more fun than that. So it would mean the world to me if you would do something that would take just two minutes of your time. Hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a written review. Tell me all about how the show is encouraging you and invite others to listen in. It truly means the world to this girl on the other side of the mic. And then number two, if you're loving the show and want even more content from Do The Thing Movement, hop on over to our Patreon page on your desktop or mobile device to listen to after the show bonus interviews, attend live Zoom parties, and receive extra coaching. Simply download the Patreon app or do it on your desktop device and search Do The Thing Movement. I would love to see you over there in that community. Thanks again for listening, and I can't wait to be back with you next episode. Same time, same place. Bye, friends.